Hello everyone, I hope you're keeping well and welcome to the latest podcast in our Rapid Insights series where we are discussing UK authorised fund rules which may be of particular relevance to managers during the current period of market uncertainty. Firstly, let me start by introducing myself. I'm Andrew Desmond and I'm a managing associate in our institutional managers team. In this piece, I'm looking at a couple of liquidity management tools which may not be considered frequently by managers but which could provide, in certain circumstances, an effective means of dealing with short or potentially longer-term liquidity issues. These are deferred redemption and in-specie redemption. But before looking at these tools in a little detail, the first thing to flag is that to use these powers, you will need to have them incorporated into your prospectus and instrument of the fund. And to the extent your arsenal is not already armed with these tools, then in order to incorporate them, you would need to make the relevant FCA application, so a Form 21 application in the case of NOIC. And in both cases, we would typically expect the implementation of these powers to be treated as a significant change requiring 60 days prior notice to investors. For non-use authorised schemes, an FCA material change notification is also likely to be required. So with this in mind, these aren't tools that you can quickly put into place to deal with immediate issues. So now let's look at the specific tools, the FCA rules that apply to them, and some things to watch out for and consider. Firstly, looking at deferred redemptions. The rules for deferred redemptions are contained under Coal 6.2.21, that's of the Collective Investment Scheme Sourcebook, which provides that where permitted under the prospectus and instrument, redemptions may be deferred to the next valuation point where the requested redemptions exceed 10% of the fund's value or some other reasonable portion disclosed in the prospectus. So in other words, what this enables you to do is to defer the handling of redemption requests for a valuation point to the next valuation point. Essentially, this mechanism can therefore be used by managers to buy themselves some more time to sell down assets when needed to deal with a specific spike in redemptions. But what this won't help with, though, is handling more longer-term liquidity issues. Another limitation is that, in the case of the rules as they apply to users and NERS, the mechanism can only be adopted for daily dealing funds. So funds with less frequent redemption cycles cannot use these rules. There are, however, different rules that apply to funds for alternative investment funds, qualified investor schemes and money market funds, which are subject to the money market funds regulation. If you're looking to use these powers, it will also be important to ensure you review carefully the relevant language in the prospectus and instrument and make sure that you operate the deferred redemptions consistent with that language. You may also need to consider notifying the depository and potentially platforms or other distributors under the specific terms you may have agreed with them. In any event, it will be critical to ensure you treat all investors fairly and comply with the specific operational requirements in Coal 6.2.21, namely that the deferral of redemptions must ensure the consistent treatment of all unit holders who have sought to redeem units at any valuation point at which redemptions are deferred, and that all deals relating to an earlier valuation point are completed before those relating to a later valuation point are considered, so it's first in line. Little guidance is given by the FCA on the use of this power, other than a guidance note in the handbook, which just highlights that the mechanism is there to protect the interests of continuing unit holders by allowing the authorised fund manager to match the sale of scheme property to their level of redemptions during high times of redemption. Now let's look at in-specie redemption, and I would say this power is used even less frequently in practice. 
The determined species of redemption refers, in this context, to the transfer of scheme property to an investor instead of liquidating scheme assets and transferring the proceeds in cash in the usual way. And to highlight the point again, you can only use this power if it's provided for in your scheme documents. Here, the relevant rules you need to consider are in Coal 6.2.15, which provides that the depository may only pay out of scheme property, assets other than cash, as payment for the cancellation of units, i.e. on a redemption, if it's taken reasonable care to ensure that the property concerned would not be likely to result in any material prejudice to the interests of unit holders, and this is provided for in the instrument. So in practice, this is a determination for the depository to make, which will of course require you to liaise closely with the depository on the matter. Inevitably, this process will be kicked off at the initiation of managers. The more detailed process that needs to be followed is therefore left up to the drafting of the prospectus, which is required specifically under the rules in Coal 4.2.5 to describe the circumstances in which the authorised fund manager may cancel units in specie. Now, typically the process and the operation of in specie redemptions involves the manager first serving a notice on the shareholder or unit holder of the proposed in-specie redemption. And you may also see a specific threshold disclosed above which this may be operated. Some prospectuses may also provide unit holders the right to request that, instead of taking the property out of the fund and transferring it to the shareholder, the authorised fund manager may essentially hold it on trust for the unit holder and arrange for it to be sold on their behalf. This is perhaps less common and managers need to be aware of the potential cash implications, in this case and others, of operating this sort of arrangement. So given the different variations we see in the market, it will again be important to acquaint yourself with the process required to be followed for your fund. It may also be of interest that some prospectuses may reflect the previous CIS rules that predated coal, where the provisions allowed unit holders to request in-species redemptions from managers. This is no longer provided for in the coal rules, so you may also want to consider changing your prospectuses subject to compliance with the coal change requirements, if this is not a service you would continue to wish to offer. Whilst in-species redemptions might help you deal with potentially longer-term liquidity issues stemming from a large redemption request, there are, as you might expect, a number of limitations and potential pitfalls of which to be aware. Firstly, in terms of treating shareholders fairly, I would say it's hard to imagine many cases where it would be appropriate to effect an in-species redemption involving a retail client, which is unlikely to be able to deal with the assets and therefore could suffer significant detriment. Similarly, one would also expect in practice that platforms and other aggregators are likely to struggle accepting redemptions in species, given their underlying unit holders and the need to allow redemptions to be made through them. I would also expect many platform or distribution agreements to seek to preclude the use of in-species redemptions. The next hurdle is then in the selection of scheme property itself. The nature of the scheme property may often make it difficult in practice to allocate assets pro rata such that neither the redeeming and continuing shareholders are prejudiced. In addition, liaising with the depository and getting it comfortable with the determination it needs to make will also present a challenge in and of itself. For these reasons, as envisaged uh, previously, I would suspect this tool is not used in practice that often. But nevertheless, I think it could constitute a useful option 
to consider and use where, in particular, a manager is forewarned by a large institutional investor of their intention to redeem and that redemption might otherwise trigger a suspension of the fund, especially if that investor is willing in principle to take its redemption in BC. In any event, however, you'll want to follow the rules and procedures carefully and approach the mechanism with caution. I hope this short summary has been helpful to you, but as always, please do not hesitate to get in touch if, you, if we can assist you further on this.